Okay, so uh, this morning we, as I said, we begin a new sermon series uh, titled Freedom in Christ, which is going to cover the month of January. Uh, through this month, uh, as we start this new year together, uh, we're going to be thinking about what it means to be free, uh, truly free, because of the relationship we have uh, in Christ. The benefit and blessing of being connected to Christ is that we can experience freedom in a very real way. As we just sang, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed, still awake, that's good. Uh, and it's one thing to understand this intellectually. Um, it's quite another thing coming to terms with this at a much deeper level, at a heart level, within uh, all that we are. Uh, and to be free in Christ means that we're free from the things that can so easily entangle us and hinder us in our relationship with God. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to think, reflect, and meditate on freedom from fear, uh, freedom from unforgiveness, uh, freedom from shame. Uh, this morning, we begin this series by focusing on what it looks like to be a man or woman of God who daily experiences freedom from lies. Uh, we recognize this morning that's a battle. That's something that we face every day, uh, whether or not we're going to choose to believe truth or lies. And so it's so essential we understand how to fight that fight, to fight it well, to fight it in God's strength, to fight it in a manner and measure that glorifies God um, and helps us in very practical ways. Uh, to understand what we're looking at this morning, we're going to look at uh, a key passage of Scripture as it relates to the subject of truth and lies and the freedom we have today. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, and verses 1 to 7. Let's take a moment to look at this. 2 Corinthians 10. And verses 1 to 7, Paul says this. Now I, Paul, myself, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble among you in person, but bold toward you in absent, I beg you that when I am present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which I plan to challenge certain people who think we are living according to the flesh. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. Look at what is obvious. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, let him remind himself of this. Just as he belongs to Christ, so do we. Amen. Dear Father, we, we pray that you bless this time and we ask that you would help us now as we look at this passage, as we recognize the challenge it is to live in truth. We pray that, that you would take us by the hand in this moment and walk us through this passage and help us to see who you've called us to be. Amen. Uh, this week I was reading about the story of a guy called uh, Noah. Uh, and he was someone who had been in prison for a lengthy period of time for a crime he committed. Uh, and after a time behind bars, he found himself out of prison and he was back in the hustle and bustle of the modern world. And he described life after prison and back in the world as one of being institutionalized. Institutionalized. That word institutionalized, it describes someone who, although is physically free, uh, is still behind bars mentally and emotionally or both day after day 
week after week, month after month, they continue to live with this prison mentality. Their thoughts, speech, actions portray someone who is still locked up in their heart and mind. And he told the story of how someone asked him who his team was. And he immediately replied, not with the name of his football team, but with the name of his counsellor and his case manager. Uh, Noah shared of how as he struggles with day-to-day -day activities and interactions with others. Uh, he would knock on a table when he, when he stood up from a meal. He would knock on a door, any door, when he walked in a room. He continued to have a locker in his house. He slept still in a bunk bed, even though nobody lived with him. He would find it really difficult to take a nap because he still thought he'd be letting his guard down and he'd be more vulnerable to attack. And he was a clean freak. He wasn't before prison, he was now. Uh, his experience in prison meant he was constantly cleaning his home. For Noah, he was physically free, but in his heart and mind, he was still bound up uh, in prison. Something similar uh, can happen in our lives. Uh, and particularly with regards to, to who we were and who we now are. Uh, whether you like this or not, the reality is that before Christ, you were in prison. You were in spiritual chains. You were in a spiritual cell. You were unable to break free from these chains and from this prison. Your life was controlled and governed by sin and selfishness. You thought, spoke, and acted in a manner that was completely against God. Everything of who you were was in direct opposition to the plan and purpose that God had for you. And there was nothing you could do, nothing you could do to change that reality. And something happened. Um, as, you, as Jesus says in John chapter 8, uh, those who sin are what they are a slave to sin. So this had complete mastery over every single one of us. And all of this changed, all of this changed when Christ entered into your life. He invaded your prison cell, amen. He broke your chains. He set you free. And as Paul says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set you free. In other words, the work of Christ for you means that today you are by definition free because of Christ. You are free, completely free, not partially free, completely free. And because of this freedom, you're now free to love him. You're free to live for him. You're free to glorify him. The prison clothes are off. The garments of righteousness are now on. And that's good news. Is that not good news? In 2024. But in much the same way, we can also be spiritually institutionalized. Um, whilst this is the best news we could ever receive, and we can be free, the reality is the memory of our old prison days still linger. The smell of our, of our old prison clothes can stick. And to such an extent that we can find ourselves going back to our old life uh, in the flesh. And instead of living in the power and freedom of a new life in the spirit, we find ourselves returning back to our flesh and living a life of sin. And all of which is precisely why Paul continues his train of thought in Galatians 5.1. And he says after that initial statement, for freedom Christ set us free, and he continues on and he says, stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, watch out. Denison Baptist Church, watch out. Don't go back. Don't carry that old prison mentality in your heart and mind. If Christ has set you free, then you really are free. 
So live in the reality of that freedom because the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit gives you all you need to live that kind of life. And the difference between whether or not you will do this is the difference between what it is you believe. It's the difference between what it is you believe. Are you going to believe truth or are you going to believe lies? This morning, I want you to think about the overall direction of your life. Just take a moment to reflect and ponder upon the overall direction of your life. Take a moment this morning to take stock of where your life is heading. What is it that you're prioritizing in your life? What is it that you're valuing? And what is it that you're cherishing? Now, your life's overall direction stems from what you do consistently, your habits. And what you do consistently stems more often than not from what you say consistently. And what you say consistently stems from what you think consistently. So it all begins up here in your mind with what you think. And so it's absolutely vital that we are thinking and believing truth and not thinking and believing lies day after day, week after week, month after month. Because your thoughts determine your words. Your words determine your actions. Your actions determine your habits and your habits determine the overall direction of your life and what you value and cherish and prioritize. The Apostle Paul understood this. He got this. He knew this deep down. And we know that he knew this because of what we read in our passage. As he ministered and served the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul found himself in a difficult pastoral situation. There was conflict between the Apostle and this rebellious group in the church. They rejected Paul's teaching. They rejected his authority. And the reason they rejected Paul's teaching and authority is because their thinking and behavior was rooted not in the truth of God's word. It was rooted in the lies of the world and the evil one. They were thinking and behaving according to the flesh and not according to the spirit, all of which had the potential to destroy the entire Corinthian fellowship. So as we think about the subject of freedom in Christ, and in particular this morning, freedom from lies, which is our focus, it's so important we pay attention to what Paul has to say within this passage, because how we think and what we believe, it changes everything. We have to understand this. How we think will change everything, for good or for bad. It's pivotal when it comes to our Christian life. Paul in our passage highlights three things we need to know when it comes to being free from lies. And I think we would all put our hands up and say, I want us, I want to be a person who is free from lies and who, who lives in the truth. So let's take a moment to think about what it is Paul focuses on in this passage in 2 Corinthians 10 and verses 1 to 7. Freedom from lies. Number one, it means that we know what to fight. We know what to fight. And have a look at what Paul says in verse 3 in the first part of verse 4. Paul says this, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Now, you might read that and remember something we looked at earlier last year, Ephesians 6.12. There's echoes of Ephesians 6.12 in this verse, where Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So we can all recognize this morning there's a battle we face as believers, and it's a battle between truth and lies. 
And it's a battle not against the flesh. In other words, not against other people. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a battle not with the flesh. It's, it's a battle also not with the flesh. In other words, we don't fight this using our own human effort. So there's two things we need to understand. It's a battle not against the flesh. And it's a battle not with the flesh. In other words, we're not fighting against people. And we're not using our own strength to overcome and to experience victory in this battle. The battle for truth is a spiritual one. It's a spiritual one. So we need spiritual weaponry in order to achieve spiritual victory. I was reminded of this truth upon hearing the testimony of a, a missionary in Mozambique uh, this past week. And if any of you know anything about Mozambique, uh, you'll know it's, it's extremely poor. And it's also under regular attack from the Sunni terrorist group, Al-Shabaab. Uh, a number of years back, there was a significant onslaught from this group and a huge number of children were kidnapped. Many were killed. Over a million were displaced. Uh, and many believers, including pastors, who partnered with this missionary lost their family and friends because of kidnapping and murder. Uh, and this missionary even had a death threat over her and it meant she had to flee the country for three months. And in that time of displacement, in the midst of all of her suffering, she had lost so many that she had loved and cared for, she found herself incredibly angry and bitter towards Al-Shabaab, this terrorist group. And it was only after a time of worship and prayer, she sensed God saying to her, would you like to ask for the miracle of forgiveness? And immediately in her heart, she found herself saying, no, Lord, I don't even want to ask for that. It's not that I just don't want that. I don't even want to ask for that miracle. She wanted to believe a lie, but her unforgiveness was justified. It was right, rather than the truth of forgiveness through the gospel. And as she was making these excuses to remain in a place of unforgiveness, she started to realize that none of these, excu none of these excuses washed, none of them added up in light of what Christ had done for her. And so she prayed, okay, Lord, change my heart, change me. She prayed that prayer. And then she had a picture of these terrorists. But instead of terrorists, she saw them as little boys, similar to the boys that she adopted. And she saw them helpless. She saw them in the dirt. She saw them dressed in rags. She started to see how they had been groomed from little boys into terrorists. And she saw that whilst they were responsible for all of these atrocities, God in Christ through the gospel was enough. He was enough to forgive them and he was enough to transform them. She came back home to Mozambique after a few months and she soon realized that God had also been working in the pastors that she was, she was partnering with. These pastors had lost their spouses their churches, their own children, their friends. And yet God had also, God had also given them this miracle of forgiveness. These pastors, instead of bitterness, rage and anger, they all chose to walk in mercy, love and forgiveness towards Al-Shabaab as did she. And get this, such was the power of what God had done amongst these missionaries and these pastors that some of the Al-Shabaab terrorists gave her life to the Lord. 
God was doing a work in them and it resulted in some of these terrorists coming to faith in Christ. Now, in what ways, Denison Baptist Church, in what ways does this relate to living a life that is truly free from lies? Well, for a time, this missionary and these pastors believed a lie and it was a lie that they were justified into their own hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness towards Al-Shabaab. And in a similar vein, there will be something in our own lives. It might not be as as extreme as that, but there will be something in our own lives, a lie that we have justified, something that we have held on to, a lie of some kind or lies of some kind, and we give ourselves a pass. We think that to carry this in our hearts is okay. And as God had to do a work in this missionary and these pastors so that they were free from their lies and free to believe the truth of God's forgiveness through the gospel, it is God and God alone who will do the work in us to be free from lies, freeing us from these falsehoods and leading us into the truth of his word. So freedom from lies means we know what to fight. You know what to fight. And that means we let God do the work in and through us so that we experience victory, spiritual victory. The battle is a spiritual one. The battle is not against flesh, nor is it with the flesh. It's a work of God's spirit to transform us from lies to truth. And this leads us on to the next point. Uh, Freedom from lies means we know how to fight. We know how to fight. And it seems like a really simple question, but it's such an important one. How do we know when a lie is a lie? And a truth is a truth. And what do we do about it when we know what is what? So once we, once we know what is a lie and what is a truth, what do we do as a result of our knowledge? It's one thing understanding what is a lie and what is truth. It's another thing then knowing what to do. To answer that this morning, let's read verse 3 and continue on from verse 3 into verses 4 to 5. Uh, Paul writes this, For although we live in the flesh, We do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we need to understand the absolute importance and power of comparison. Uh, A couple of years ago, uh, someone I know was on holiday, and they ended up buying a Barcelona strip for someone they loved. And they showed, they showed it straight away, and as I looked at it straight away, I knew within seconds, this is a fake strip. This is not a real Barcelona strip. Now, how was I able to do that? Well, the reason I knew it was fake is because I love football, I know a lot about football, and I know what the actual Barcelona strip looks like. So because I know what it should look like, I can immediately identify what it shouldn't look like. But this person did not love football. They did not know about football. And they did not know what a Barcelona strip should look like. So their lack of knowledge of the truth meant that they fell into the trap of believing something that was false. And for each one of us, so it is with our relationship with the truth. You will know a lie is a lie when you know what is true. Let me say that again. You will know a lie is a lie when you know what is true. And Paul here in our passage, he calls us to compare. To compare what we see and hear in our, in our world and in our lives with what God's word says. 
So we look at what's going on in our world, we look at what we are receiving, and we compare that with the truth of God's word. And with that biblical comparison, very simply, we will know what is true and we will know what is false. So Paul in this passage speaks in verse 4 about strongholds. And he speaks about how it is we are to demolish strongholds. That's one of these Christian words that can be used often, but at times we can struggle to fully comprehend what it means. What does it mean to demolish strongholds? What is a stronghold? A stronghold in Paul's day was a fortified tower within a walled city. It was a fortress, and people would flee to that tower within the city if the city was under attack from some kind of external source. Despite what was happening within the city, the stronghold more often than not would remain. It was consistent despite of the change surrounding it. And when Paul here speaks about strongholds in our lives, he's speaking about what he describes at the end of verse 4 and 5. So these strongholds, these are arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. In other words, these are statements and ideas that do not match up with what God's word says. And if by nature they are strongholds, it's not just that they're false, but also difficult to shift. These are, these are falsehoods and lies that are deeply embedded in our hearts and our minds. And we're finding it really hard to break free from these lies. They're like a fortified tower that sits within us and remains in us. No matter what changes our circumstances might bring, often these lies can remain consistent. In times of blessing, in times of hardship, we still carry these strongholds, these lies, these falsehoods. And Paul says in our passage that not only can we identify with these strongholds, what these strongholds are, so we can know by comparison what these strongholds are, as we compare them to biblical truth and see their persistence in our lives, Paul says we have the power to demolish them. We have the power to demolish strongholds. It's good news. Is that good news for every single one of us today? They no longer have to have a hold over our lives because in Christ, we have the power in Christ to destroy them completely. And Paul goes as far as to say that, that we can take every thought captive to obey Christ. Instead of us being, being in prison, we can put our thoughts in prison to obey and submit and surrender to Christ. And that's an incredible image. Every thought that goes through our minds, we have to assess and test and we have to make our thoughts submit to Christ. So we need to ask the question of our entire life. And every thought we have, we need to ask the question, is this biblical? Is what I'm thinking right now biblical? Does it honor Christ? Does this thought or these thoughts, do they glorify Christ? Do they magnify Christ? Do they bring encouragement or discouragement? Another way in which we can demolish uh, strongholds is to take every thought captive through the Philippians 4, verse 8 test. So Philippians 4, 8, we examine our thought life and we ask ourselves these questions based on this verse. It'll be up on the screen for us. So ask yourself these questions based on this verse. Is what I'm thinking, is it true? Am I thinking something that's true? Is it honorable? Does it honor Christ? Does it honor me? Does it honor other people? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is what I'm thinking morally excellent? Is it praiseworthy? 
best we can all do each and every day. So practical for us today, but it's so vital as we think about our spiritual walk. And I love, I love what Sam Storm says about this idea of lies and strongholds and how it is we can find freedom and victory in Christ. He says this. He says, a good working definition of a stronghold is a mindset or a mental framework that is shaped by feelings of hopelessness. And I wonder if that's you this morning. Maybe you're feeling hopeless by something that's going on in your life. He continues, this distortion in our thinking serves to convince us that change is impossible, even though we know that the way we are living and thinking conflicts with what God has said in Scripture. What he had in view are negative patterns of thought that cripple our ability to obey God and thus breed feelings of guilt and despair. They are often burned into our minds, either through repetition over time, such as occurs in an abusive relationship, or through a one-time traumatic experience, or even more commonly through the influence of false teaching and a skewed theology. The good news is that we have access to powerful and efficacious resources, adequate to prevail over all resistance and to defeat every enemy. Romans 12, 1 to 2, Ephesians 4, 20 to 24. We must dedicate ourselves to thinking and meditating on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise, Philippians 4, 8. And entrust ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit who can overcome the influence of every negative and destructive thought. So I wonder this morning, what lie are you believing that has the potential to, to make you feel hopeless in your life? And maybe that's not something you're experiencing right now, but we can all recognize there's been moments in our lives where we have believed a lie and it's caused us to feel hopeless. So what lie have you believed? What lie are you believing? that's causing you to feel hopeless. And what truth from God's word do you need to replace that lie with? What lie are you believing? What truth do you need to replace that lie with? And how do we actually do that? How do we do that? How do we replace the lies of our lives with the truth of God? Well, let me just highlight a few steps that we can, we can carry out as we think about freedom from lies. And the first thing you need to do is pray. You need to ask God to reveal to you the lies that you're believing that are contrary to his word. It takes a work of the spirit to reveal that. And as you do that, God will make clear through prayer and in his word what lies and even what strongholds are governing your life. And as you identify what lies and strongholds are having an influence over your life, search the scriptures. Take some time to, to study what God's word says and find what the counter-truth is to that particular lie that you're believing. And as you identify the lie, and as you identify the biblical truth, I would encourage you to literally write it out in a sentence. Get a journal, get a piece of paper, and just write something like this. I reject the lie that, and then whatever the lie is, write it out in detail. Write whatever that lie is, and then literally write out in a sentence something like this. I embrace the truth that and write out in detail a verse or a passage that replaces that lie, that is in, in contrast and conflict with the lie. And the last part's the most important. Preach that to yourself. Don't just write it out. Preach to yourself. Preach what you've rejected. Preach what you've now embraced. And keep doing it again and again and again, every single day, consistently, 
until your heart and mind start to change. And what you'll find is that your heart and mind will start to change. Praise God. There is power in his word. And it will change us. You will demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. It is possible. I can say it's possible this morning because that's my testimony. Lies that I believed. Using this pattern, this format, and seeing how the lies I believed were destroyed and diminished, demolished, because I replaced that lie with biblical truth. I took every thought captive to obey Christ. I've been able to do this in the past. I continue to do this in the present, and I encourage each one of us this morning to do that in 2024. You will change your heart and mind, which will change your words, which will change your actions, which will change the direction of your life. You will know that whom the sun sets free is free indeed because you'll experience that freedom in a very clear and tangible way. That's the promise. That's what it looks like to be free from lies. This is how we experience freedom from lies. We use the word of God as a sword against the, the trickery and deceptions of the enemy. And it brings us on to the final point. The final thing we need to know as we think about having freedom from lies and number three, freedom from lies means that we know who fights for us, who fights with us. We made a similar point last Sunday, and it's something I believe that God just wants to reinforce again and again. And if we hone in in verse seven of our passage, the final verse, we need to take heed of what it is that Paul says here. He writes, look at what is obvious. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, let him remind himself of this. In other words, preach to yourself that you belong to Christ. Just as he belongs to Christ, so do we. So this morning, if you're in Christ, then the truth of the matter is that you belong to Christ. And we often fail to comprehend the significance of that statement. But just take a moment to take stock that you belong. You belong to Christ, meaning that God is with you, God is for you, and God is fighting your fight. He is fighting your battle. So that means that we have all that we need to experience freedom from lies. All that we need. As we close this morning, I'm conscious of the fact that, that maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're still doubting in your mind that God is with you. God is for you. And God fights for you every single day. And maybe you're in a place this morning where you're doubting the, the goodness and the grace of God in your life. And that's a very real challenge for us. I'm not going to stand here and say that I've never experienced that because that is a battle for me on a regular basis. And it's something that we can experience from time to time. We start to doubt the goodness and grace of God. And sometimes it can happen in the most unexpected of moments as well. Um, things are going well and then suddenly we just have doubt in our hearts and minds. And as we close, what I'm going to do is, is read some biblical statements of who you are in Christ. Um, we're just going to take our time. I'm just going to read these. They're going to be up on the screen. And as I do that, I'm going to ask you to pay attention to your own heart and mind. Pay attention to the screen, but pay attention to what's going on in your own heart and mind. And really just discern through the Holy Spirit what is going on inside as you hear these statements. How is your spirit responding? Are you receiving these wholeheartedly? Or do you find yourself pushing back a wee bit? Is there something within you that as you hear this biblical statement, which is true, do you find yourself pushing back in some way? And if there are any 
that you're pushing back on, I want you just to take a mental note or even take an actual note. You can do that as well. Write down which ones you are resisting within your spirit. So there's 42 of them. So brace yourself. Here goes. Just let me just pray first. So Father, we just pray that you would use this moment and um, that you would you would direct our hearts and minds to, to what is going on in, in our hearts and minds. You would help us to see uh, what it is we have wholeheartedly embraced and what we have wholeheartedly or partially rejected. So by your spirit, would you guide us and lead us? In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. You are a child of God, John 1, 12. You are a branch of a true vine and a channel of Christ's life, John 15, 1 and 5. You are a friend of Jesus, John 15, 15. You have been justified and redeemed, Romans 3, 24. Your old self was crucified with Christ and you are no longer a slave to sin, Romans 6, 6. You will not be condemned by God, Romans 8, 1. You have been set free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8, 2. As a child of God, you are a fellow heir with Christ, Romans 8, 17. You have been accepted by Christ, Romans 15, 7. You have been called to be a saint, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, Ephesians 1, 1, Philippians 1, 1, Colossians 1, 2. In Christ Jesus, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification and redemption 1 Corinthians 1:30 your body is a temple of the holy spirit who dwells within you 1 Corinthians 3:16-619 you are joined to the lord and you are one spirit with him 1 Corinthians 6:17 god leads you in the triumph and knowledge of christ 2 Corinthians 2:14 the hardening of your mind has been removed in christ 2 Corinthians 3:14 you are a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. You have been made one with all who are in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3, 28. You are no longer a slave, but a child and an heir, Galatians 4, 7. You have been set free in Christ, Galatians 5, 1. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3, you are chosen, holy, and blameless before God, Ephesians 1.4, you are redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ, Ephesians 1.7, you have been predestined by God to obtain an inheritance, Ephesians 1.10-11, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1.13, because of God's mercy and love, you have been made alive with Christ. Ephesians 2.45 You are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Ephesians 2.6 You are God's workmanship, created to produce good works. Ephesians 2.10 You have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.13 You are a member of Christ's body and a partaker of his promise. Ephesians 3.6.5.30 You have boldness and confident access to God through faith in Christ. Ephesians 3.12 
your new self is righteous and holy. Ephesians 4, 24. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Ephesians 5, 8. You are a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3, 20. The peace of God guards your heart and mind. Philippians 4, 7. God supplies all your needs. Philippians 4, 19. You have been made complete in Christ. Colossians 2, 10. You have been raised up with Christ. Colossians 3, 1. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 3. Christ is your life and you will be revealed with him in glory. Colossians 3, 4. You have been chosen of God and you are holy and beloved. Colossians 3.12 God loves you and has chosen you. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 Amen. Now, if there are any, if there's any of these statements that you found yourself pushing back on, there is a strong possibility that you have believed an opposite idea, a lie. And there's a strong possibility that as you found yourself pushing back to that biblical truth, that this is in fact a stronghold in your life. And as your elders, as your shepherds, overseers, TJ and I would like to pray for you. If that's you, if you find yourself pushing back in some way to something I've just read, we would like to pray for you at some point, either today, this week, ne next week. What we would say is don't put it off. If you have and are believing a lie, then take the opportunity to be prayed for and take the opportunity this week to meditate on God's word and ask that God by his spirit would change your thinking, which would change your life. Because there's nothing more important than experiencing freedom from lies as you experience freedom in Christ. That's my simple call uh, for us this Sunday and as we go into 2024. So let's pray together and we're going to respond and worship. Father, we, we thank you for just the ways in, in which uh, we are abundantly blessed and we have just seen so many ways in which we are blessed. And Lord, we recognize that every day is, is a battle and a fight and, and we pray that, that you, would, you would just continue to, to work in us so that we have strength for the fight but we would also have confidence of the victory, that you would identify the ways in which we need to, to fight for your glory and for our good. And it would be a work of your spirit as we meditate and rest in your word. Help us to be a people who are free from lies and who live in the truth because of all that you have done for us in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.